This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. This is Marty Sluzars, CFO of the rapidly growing digital marketing company iQuanti, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 271. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we share insights from four finance leaders on people empowerment and strategy execution. Let's face it, organizations are often cluttered with human obstacles. How to collaborate and achieve employee buy-in remains a key concern of every finance department and every finance leader. You'll hear from our first finance leader after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Our first finance leader is Greg Frost, CFO of Hartford Funds. And one of the recurring themes of this episode is really people empowerment and leadership. And when it comes to strategy execution, I thought Greg's comments are revealing as far as a leader's responsibility to his or her people or team and how taking on that responsibility um, always must precede execution. Here's Greg. When when I was promoted um, into the seat, it was, you know, obviously the world changed a little bit and then I was, and I was trying to figure out, okay, how, what is the job of the CFO and how is it different from maybe what I did before when I was running the accounting department or running the finance department or working with investor relations or whatever. And I think the, the aha moment, and this may not get exactly to your question, but I think for me it was the, the first time I stood up in front of the team and all of a sudden I realized that there were, you know, X number of people in the audience that were looking at me and, and all of a sudden it, it dawned on me that every one of these people were entrusting their careers to me. And, uh, you know, before that, you, you were always kind of working for the CFO. You were inside the operation, and, and I didn't maybe feel that direct responsibility that all of a sudden it dawned on me that I had. And um, and I have been fortunate along the way to work for some great people who went out of their way to give me opportunities and to let me challenge myself and let me get involved in things that maybe I had no business being involved in, but I was let, I was allowed to do that. And, I, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that that was now was my job that these people had entrusted their careers to me and, and I owed that back to them to, to try to deliver an experience similar to mine and give them opportunities and challenge them and push them um, and celebrate the successes along the way. And I guess that to me 
was that first time I stood up in front of that team and said, Oh man, this, this now is mine. And I, these people are looking for me and, and I got to and I got to deliver for them. So it's more than just, there's a bunch of work to go do, but it's, you know, how do I, how do we cultivate the best, the best out of these guys and, and, uh, and women and, and deliver results for the firm. Next, we spoke with Mark Boothman, CFO Emeritus of Kimberly Clark. As a leader in an organization, you, you can't touch everyone. You know, over time, I kind of realized that to reach our potential as an organization, people needed to have clear direction and they needed to feel empowered. And I got two pieces of feedback from two of my leaders, uh, one of which is retired and one of which has gone on to uh, become a CFO at another company. Uh, and the two pieces of advice were, one, uh, Mark, you need to focus. I was constantly a, an idea generator of opportunities to improve. And he would always ask me, what are your three things? And, of course, I didn't have three things. I had 12 things that we could do. And over time, I kind of narrowed that down uh, to wanting everybody in the organization to do three things. Uh, I wanted people to uh, – come into work every day and inspire each other to be their best. I'm a big believer in inspiring your team members uh, or building the talent of people around you. Of course, leaders should do that. But I think in teams, if you've ever gotten feedback from a team member that said you did a great job, there is no better compliment in the world. Um, the next thing I wanted everybody to come to work every day, driving results. At the end of the day, everybody in an organization, but particularly in finance, you've got to be focused on driving results. And oftentimes you can think about process improvement, but not connect it to driving a better business result. And I wanted everybody to drive business results. Uh, and lastly, I wanted everybody to come to work every day and think, how can I do something a little bit better every day? Uh, and that came sort of down to three things, inspire, drive, and transform. Inspire, drive, and transform. Uh, then I had another one of my, so those were my three things. Like if I could just communicate to every single person in the organization what I wanted them to do, it was those three. Then I had another leader uh, who was a terrific young top talent, a guy named Steve Voskel. Steve was the CFO of international business, and he said, Mark, I took your Inspire, Drive, and Transform, and I turned it in. Let me show you this presentation I gave you the team. And it was called the power of a thousand CFOs. So he had taken this simple concept and he used it to try to communicate to his organization, which was happened to be about a thousand people around the world. And he said, I, I thought, what if we could have every single person in my organization think like a CFO? And he called it the power of a thousand CFOs. And that really caught my attention. And he'd gotten a lot of positive feedback. Well, then, of course, everybody else wanted to use it, and they wanted to turn it. I had about 2,400 people in the organization, and, of course, someone being finance guys, they said, we should call it the power of 2,400 CFOs, which made no sense at all. And, uh, and over time, through some feedback, we distilled it down to the power of a CFO, which is all about how do you get every single person in your organization focused on the critical few things and feeling empowered to make a difference in their small team, whether you're uh, paying bills in Malaysia or you're uh, collecting receivables in, uh, in Belgium 
uh, or you're driving the forecasting process in North America. You know, it's it's really trying to reach out and touch each individual in the organization. So, so that was the essence of of a power of a CFO. And I think one of the benefits I had, uh, it, it, sort of being in my role, was realizing it wasn't what we were working on that was as important as how we were inspiring the organization to to take ownership of their individual roles. Next, you'll hear from Carol Lowe, CFO of Sealed Air Corporation. Now, you'll hear Carol responding to a question about her arrival at Sealed Air and how she went about assessing her team. But I think you'll agree her answer includes multiple insights about people empowerment. Here's Carol. So when when I came in, the first thing I had to do is some of the things that needed to change. They're they're obvious. You go through your career, you build you build that instinct of being able to assess things. But I also had to make myself pause because I did not know what I didn't know, and I, I would have been foolish to automatically start replacing people or assessing someone as not performing because maybe it was the situation or they had not had a good leader previously to deliver at their highest level. So, you know, I I set out like most new people do in a role, you identify what what you want to accomplish within that first 90 days and then the first six months. Um, And I, I knew what the priorities were in terms of restoring credibility with our shareholders and making sure that we could deliver on the new commitment we were we were making to our investors for our earnings for the year and so knowing i had those priorities and also needing to make a, sure i had a team that could deliver short term as well as long term then spending the time getting to know each of my direct reports hearing how they thought, how they assessed things, whether they even recognized that we had a significant challenge in front of us and needed to respond with a sense of urgency, Uh, seeing if they were truly senior finance leaders in their own right, that knew how to build a team, that knew how to, um, you know, work on the business instead of just in the business so we could help drive that strategy. So I went about doing that assessment and I I found some great diamonds in the rough that were buried a little deeper in the organization I was able to pull up. I had some that it became very clear um, while they might have added value in the past, they were not going to contribute value to the new field air as we move forward as a knowledge-based company. And they, I needed to make those transitions. I was fortunate that through my career, I, I've worked with some incredible people. I reached out to the ones I knew I just had to have on my team. Uh, one of them was had a great job in San Diego. I convinced him that he it was the best opportunity of his life to enjoy, to join me in um, New Jersey where it gets cold and uh, not not necessarily a, a, a great town we were in, but definitely a great state and a uh, lot of opportunities there. So I, the people I knew I had to have, I reached out, got them on board, and we started building out the rest of the team with a, a, a clear 
drive to retain and develop as many people as we possibly could that were already with the company. And we did a great job of that. We we brought in talent where needed, but we also have greatly enhanced the level of engagement and development for the finance team on a global basis. And while I'm incredibly proud of the strong stock price performance we've had over the past four years, collectively, the return on value we have for our shareholders, I I am honestly the most proud of the investment we've been able to make in the finance talent um, to help drive this company forward. I think it's probably, it's the biggest gift as well as obligation that I have as a senior leader is being able to positively impact uh, the development of my team. Don't go anywhere. We'll feature our fourth finance leader after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Our fourth and final finance leader is Dan Crum, CFO of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Dan's comments concern deploying his people into the organization and how his team is able to achieve collaboration and actually drive strategy. Here's Dan. I think the the takeaways that we have, really the, the important thing is to let the department that they're going into understand that we're here to help you and we're here to advise and to give you some strategic advice and we want to make sure that we're a resource for you. So it's really a, it's a, a, a balancing act to make sure that you're providing the resources that they need. So we and and balancing that against what we need to obtain from from that department. So I would say the first thing is we really need to make sure that the expectations are very clearly communicated to both sides. That this is this is what we're looking for. What are you looking for? How can we help you? Uh, and and so that both sides know what what's expected, um, having the right skill sets, the right people um, that go into each department, that they understand what that department does and what that department's goals and objectives are, is very critical. So knowing that on the front end also helps to make that expectation level very clear. Um, so those are a couple of things that we found and that I think are very important is just, you know, setting the expectations, understanding what they do, how they do their business, going in and actually doing their business. So if you're working with, uh, you know, the stadium operations crew, 
try to do what they do, you know, go out on some of their their work days and see what they do so that you can get a good feel for everything that goes into their job. And that makes you more knowledgeable and you may be able to come back with some recommendations on, you know, how we can improve things or how we can improve reports that we generate for them or how we can help them on decision-making processes or make processes easier because that's one of the big things that we've done is we've gone into each department and we've tried to look at a process that we can improve, whether it was just a very paper-intensive process or a very manual process. And the real big push for us has been to um, to transfer those into very automated electronic workflows. So you're taking all of the the potential for errors, you, you're taking the potential for generating a lot of wasted paper and, and inefficient use of resources, and now we're converting it into something that's very simple. You start the process off, it takes you through an automatic, automatic workflow, and it makes it so much easier for everybody. And we found that morale goes up when they don't have to do as much work on the paper end and trying to push paper around. It, it's just so much easier when they're when they've got a workflow that they can just kick it off and it takes you through the process and it makes sure that everything gets done accurately and timely. And we've done that in a number of departments and we found that that solidifies the relationship as well because we we're, we're listening to what they're asking for and we're finding a way to provide it for them. So that builds the confidence. It builds the relationship. And overall, it makes for more efficient processes that make for a better organization. We'd like to thank our four finance leaders for participating with us. And we hope you found this people empowerment episode of interest. Thank you for listening. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.